Hey, welcome to another episode of the New York Comedy Club podcast. I am your lone host for the day, Nick Angelo, joined by one of my favorite people, Eric Newman. Mr. Eric Newman. Oh, uh, Nick, I feel the exact same you? way, and I'm glad we could both publicly uh, uh, state that. By the way, how dirty can this can How this dirty? Be? Oh, yeah. we can get dirty, baby. Oh, okay. No, I'm glad we just like started the podcast by literally jerking each other off. Um, <laughs> I think that's good. But no, I really do love you too, and I appreciate you saying that. And uh, and Amy Hawthorne, who invited me to this podcast like three times already, uh, didn't show up on the day that I actually uh, actually uh, was able to do it, which I'm really sad about. Well, but, it uh, is still the AM hour, so it in is, fairness, it is. In fairness to Amy, this it, is... Uh, Amy is just leaving uh, 24th Street uh, <laughs> from last night. Yeah, just, um, just closing up the clubs now. <laughs> um, but um, but thanks for having me, man. Yeah, man, I'm glad I'm you're here. We wanted to, we wanted to have you on, especially this time of year, because you do a really cool show. Uh, what is this? Your third, fourth year now? I think it's my third. Well, I, I've done it. So, it, man, it transformed a lot. You want to hear the? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll make it very quickly. The yes, give uh, us the, transfer- gen- the genesis of the show. For well, the show itself is. Uh, a Merry Jewish Christmas, and we have it yep. yearly at the New York Comedy Club, but yeah, tell us how, the, how that all came to be. Okay, so started, uh, well, first I started uh, opening for Modi every year at, at the comic strip for Christmas Eve, um, and then uh, they brought me in, like, so Modi stopped doing it, and he started doing, like, theaters, and then uh, and then they brought me in, so then uh, Ray Ellen, who I now produce the show with, and uh, a, a man by the name of D.F. Sweedler, um, if you are uh, in tune with stand-up comedy sometime um, uh, in the last 40 years, uh, you may have heard his name, uh, especially if you walk through the comic strip. But he, uh, they brought me into the show. Um, it was sort of like a three-way partnership thing. And then um, Ray and I uh, were like, let's just go do our own thing. So we left. And Emilio had just uh, – they hadn't done any Jewish shows. It was just like regular shows on uh, on Christmas Eve. And I was like, Amelia, you guys got to do Jewish shows with me or without me. Like, you have to do it. And he's like, well, how about with? Why don't, why don't you, you know, whatever. Um, I'm actually making it sound like he poached me from the strip. I was like, I, I want to go. I want to go do it um, and sort of like build something from scratch because the strip had been doing something forever. So uh, Ray and I, Ray, who, uh, you know, who's a comic in the city and who uh, co-produces uh, This Week at the, he's a producer, executive producer of This Week at the Comedy Cellar. Uh, on Comedy Central, and he's um, the Ray in Aruba Ray, Aruba Ray, and the Aruba Ray. Yeah, exactly. We, we actually have uh, not to detour you, but we actually have a, a pretty strong listening base from uh, fans of cruises. We uh, a good oh. buddy of mine does a podcast, and we we like to share each other's um, stories. So anybody who's going to Aruba, check out Aruba Rays. <laughs> yeah, little, little plug, but you're, oh. you're welcome, Ray. Aruba, okay, go, go ahead. Um, yeah, which I've gone by the way, and it's amazing. Uh, so. Um, so Ray and I started at 20 uh, so we moved from the strip we started our own thing at 24th Street um started sort of building it and now this is the second year third year we're doing it at New York the second year we're doing it at the East Village location which we which we really like for for the show um but they've been fun man I mean we have like I mean the lineups are great we, you know, Ray and I really like put together a, a, a killer lineup for the for the um, evening. So we have two shows, seven and nine thirty, and I hope you guys come out. And it's it's all Jewish comedians, or just- um, not all. Um, we it, the theme is 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 Jewish, but uh, but we like to throw in you know like a little bit of a mix. I would say it's probably like going to be like 80, 90% Jewish lineup. And maybe they will be like, which basically means one comic won't be Jewish on each lineup. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, but generally Jewish lineups. And the thing is, is like, it's, it's, there's just nothing for Jews to do. Now there's like, actually there used to be nothing for Jews to do. Now there's like 
I wish there was less. Um, but because it seems like now there's just like competition everywhere. Every there's like um this this huge dance that I once went to, like when I was looking for these like I was like obsessed with this girl and she was going to it called the matzo ball. Um, the it's, just, like, ball. it's this huge dance. Like it's like I make it on dance like I'm old timey. It's like it's like a club. Like you know, like a, they do it at the uh, Dream Hotel or that's where they where they did do it like six seven years ago when I was uh, stalking this girl. But uh, but um, yeah, it's like a huge. It's just like Jews have nothing to do. We're all off and we have nothing to do. So you know that's sort of where this whole thing uh, you know formulated and. That is that's an interesting thing. Uh, I remember because I grew up sheltered in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody I knew celebrated Christmas. Went away to college, and our one roommate was Jewish, and I it just didn't. I couldn't wrap my brain around like, but so what are you gonna do on December twenty fifth? He's like nothing. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean it's Christmas? He's like. I don't celebrate Christmas. Like, yeah, I know. I understand that. But like, what are you going to do? <laughs> He's like, I don't do anything. Like, yeah, but it's Christmas. <laughs> it's like, I, I know you got it. You can't, can't, can't compute, can't compute. Dude, you know what the thing is? What I've realized is that we literally do the exact same thing that you guys do minus the Christmas tree. Like I go to my families, we, we eat, we watch TV, we hang out. We tell stories. Get People get drunk. With your drunk uncle. Get into huge arguments. Get molested. No, no, no. Um, just everything, right? Nailed it. But, uh, but no, actually, my uncle did. Um, he nailed it. But, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, nailed this ass. No, I don't. You said we could be dirty. Anyway, so I started off on the jerking off thing, so we could yeah. progress to yeah, mo- we, molestation. Uh, we, we had a nice okay. little conversation, and here we now here we are. <laughs> I love how people who are listening to this episode. There's like there's like a, like a group of Jewish yeah group of Jewish grandmothers are going to be listening to the New York Comedy Club podcast. But if they were well, they'd, now, yeah, exactly, they'd like listen to it and be like, "We're going to buy tickets." And then the second they heard the molesting oh, thing, he they're sounds like, <laughs> like a nice young boy. Oh, what a nice Jewish boy! We'll go see him. Tell you what. <laughs> um but yeah we do the same shit really man like like it's it's like it's minus the christmas tree it's like pretty much the same yeah you know well do you have because uh, i know a lot of people who are like half jewish mm-hmm. and they celebrate both and i i always just kind of was like no that's not fair you don't get both right you gotta pick one right do you have any problem with that my only problem with you saying you have to pick one is that they're never gonna pick hanukkah <laughs> Oh, that's eight crazy nights. Yeah, I know it's, but but think about this, ready? Like I was thinking about this the other day. I was in a conversation with my buddy about it. Um, our most famous Hanukkah song is by Adam Sandler. Not even a real. It's a good point. Not even a musician. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody, like Mariah Carey esque. I guess it would be like Barbara Streisand or whoever it would be, <laughs> but has like come up with like this like rich amazing classic Hanukkah song. We still have like dreidel dreidel. You know what I'm saying? It's like, there's nothing. I feel like if I don't, okay, let's say you're not religious at all. Okay. But you're Christian. Okay. Okay. Or or Catholic or whatever. I can can speak to that. Right. You have, you don't identify with like any like real, like religion in the sense of like God and it's not your thing. Who me personally? Yeah. I will. I went to Catholic school for eight years. So that so means that, no. So that's where I went. That's what's that old Carlin joke? Is like, ah, uh, I was Catholic until I reached the age of reason. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's where I, I grew up with cat Catholicism pounded in my head. So then after you get older, and you're like, wait a minute, no, this doesn't make sense. Right. Okay. But yeah, not to not to get into that, but yes. So yeah, I, I you know I'm very just like whatever it is right. what it is. But when all I want for Christmas is you comes on, mm-hmm. 
like there's no way to not feel connected right to 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 christmas to to whatever right i I mean i think christmas is almost just completely disconnected from religion religion. at all like the fact that jesus's birthday which actually isn't true at all but the fact that it's like a, a a catholic christian holiday i don't think that's what this is anymore right i mean black friday sure as hell isn't uh, a nice I mean, we're not taking you know toys out and giving them to the homeless on black friday right, right it's right, a right. consumer holiday so i i don't think like so when i hear christmas music i don't think religion i think right i think oh boy christmas lights and- right culture like a cultural yeah. thing but but the, the thing is is like our cultural thing like whether you're religious or not religious at all um like our cultural identity musically in in judaism is the hanukkah song mm-hmm. i mean i mean there's nothing and not that i don't love it i do i absolutely love it but i love all seven of them or whatever how many different versions he did but i do think that um i do think that it would help us out a ton if some like huge star like like uh you know well maybe mariah carey she needs a new hit yeah, I mean, how many, how much lifespan is that song going to have? Forever, yeah, I think. It is. It, you don't is think so? Great, is that the greatest song written I, in our generation? It's definitely. I think that's that song is going to be played five hundred years from now. Yeah, it is. It's it is unbelievable yeah. that the power of that song. Unbelievable, and I love it, and it is timeless because I've heard it. You hear it in the Christmas season alone, just like walking into stores, walking down the street, go, like going in a car and Uber. It's playing whatever. A billion times. I mean, a billion times, and it never gets old. I used to, I used to DJ, okay, yeah. and we would do, we would do this bit where it'd be like July, and all of a sudden on the mic, I'd stop the music, and on the microphone, I would just be like, like, ladies and gentlemen, that we have two hundred and twenty-two more days till Christmas, and play that song in July, and the place would go butt fuck. And it's like sure, this yeah. song is amazing. It's unbelievable. It's and I love it. And even in, and when you hear it in the off season, that rare time you hear it in you know July or whatever, um, it just feels you, you you just get excited for the holidays. Like no matter what month it is, and like yeah, that song is really. I mean, I mean, it's crazy how how it just caught on and became this like phenomenon. And it really might be the most. I mean, it might be the most famous Christmas song of all time. Maybe at this point, right? It's got to be, or or up there in the canon of that, right? I mean, I, mean, I don't. Well, see, that's that's a that's a huge debate because I mean, there's Christmas songs that were written so many years ago that everyone still knows. So, so like, okay, so so um, like Winter Wonderland, or right, or uh, or um, or or uh, the. Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas, right? The, Eric, but, what? But, wow, crew. Oh, you didn't know this? I didn't know you were such a oh. nice singer. <laughs> I'm not. I enjoy karaoke. I dabble in karaoke, man. I really, <laughs> oh, nice. I really like it. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I, I, it's it's crazy how it. I mean, and then you you realize it was written in the '90s. Yeah. In your generation, yeah. you know what and I'm it's saying? A th- it's a like, thing. Mariah Carey, like she has hits. Besides this one, I know, but nothing's gonna, nothing's gonna pull her. Like nothing's gonna make her as famous, you know, in in two thousand five hundred, as as that song. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, she does. She definitely does. And she had like, I think she like holds the record for the most billboard. Uh, I think for a, for an individual, the mo- something, but or or like the the longest time that her songs have been on the number one billboard spot, whatever it is, because she had that song like One Sweet Day with Boys to Men, the yeah. one, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is a great song. But but yeah, nothing's gonna. That song is what she's gonna be remembered for yeah. forever. For our you know our great 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 and that great, song she just wrote it a lot. I think a lot of songs that we are familiar with. Um, we recognize from Christmas movies, right? You know, like you know, I know uh, Mele Kaleke Makai. Then I don't know that song unless it's for National Lampoon's Christmas. Sure, occasion. sure, sure. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think that the Mariah Carey song gets a lot more credit because it was never featured in a movie, like to begin with, right? You know, it's like, not we, like we learned it from the radio, right? It's a single. It's not like um, like uh, like my heart will go on, like Celine Dion's, like everybody knows, like even if you. Even if you're born, even if you're 15 years old now, I'm pretty sure you know that that song's affiliated with Titanic. Yeah. You know, you, you know, like, I, I don't think, but right. I mean, she didn't have, I mean, now it's been in a billion Christmas movies. Exactly. But it's like, but now it's like you watch the movie and you go, oh my God, that's, oh my God, they, they, they got the rights to, to this song. You know, it's different than the. Yeah. Like there's, it's not the Home Alone soundtrack. Where I'm like, oh, I know Chuck Berry's Run Run Rudolph, where it's like, right. no, this is Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas that happens to be in a movie. Sure. Yeah, exactly. But speaking of movies, yeah, let's get into uh, some other things you got going on. Um, well, working, I guess we could sidestep into television, yeah, but that was a nice halfway uh, transition. Well, you're working with IFC, right? I'm working with IFC. Yeah, we did. Um, so I pitched an idea to them um, uh, called Deep Dive, where, uh, where during commercial breaks... Um, you know, we, uh, I do, so, so whatever they play like Tropic Thunder, for example, is one of the episodes we did where it's like, um, I guess segments you could call them, not really episodes because I think of, but, um, but so what I did was I pitched this idea. I'm like, you know, during commercial break, what we should do is we should like have someone, me, I strongly recommend me, uh, uh, tell some jokes about the movie. And um and they really liked it and so we called it deep dive and uh, we deep dive into movies and we're gonna do more in uh, in the new year, um I think that's the plan. Well, and, explain what deep dive means. So so it's basically like I don't know if you guys remember um these the the Jewish grandmothers that we're talking about who are listening to this episode will definitely remember. But uh, oh, they're they're way gone. They, oh, they're they're gone in the molestation. Yeah, thing we lost them, them on the uh, uncle hit my asshole part. <laughs> Um, so, uh, there was this like really famous thing called dinner in a movie, um, where do you remember dinner in a movie? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's, so like people say like, oh, this is a cool idea. And I'm like, well, it's not like an entirely original idea because dinner in a movie, like essentially served the same purpose. Um, but ours doesn't have dinner and, um, cause you, uh, definitely wouldn't want me to cook. Uh, and I wouldn't want me to cook, but, uh, it's basically me just, so, so we deep dive and so it's giving like factual facts about the movie with like a nice twist of humor and, uh, and, uh, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. I mean, we did, uh, so we did were the Millers. That was the first one we did. Um, and then we did, uh, Tropic Thunder, which uh, I'm a much bigger Tropic Thunder fan than yeah. were the Millers. You do you have do you remember any of your little tidbits that yeah you... Ooh, I don't know. I have such a bad memory, man. On the spot. Um no, unfortunately I don't. I I have the worst memory. Um we did something No. I can't remember. But the cool thing is is that um is that it's played like a, I mean it's I, I get texts. This is like 
like this has been the thing so far where I've gotten so many like texts and messages from people I haven't talked to in 10, 12 years who were like, Oh, I saw you on IFC. Um, because, uh, everybody, lo- I mean, everybody loves Tropic Thunder pretty much. So, uh, so it's cool because it's like playing, like I've probably, you know, been on air with the Tropic Thunder one. I don't know. I'm, I'm shooting in the dark here with the number, but maybe like 30 times or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's cool. So in between commercial break, I just sort of like keep it fresh and fun and uh, and give some facts about the movie. Um, uh, and uh, and yeah, it's been uh, it's been good. I think we're gonna do more in the new year. And you make it you make it your own, right? It's I like, make it my it's own. Eric Newman's voice talking about Tropic Thunder. Not- totally my joke. So so they so at first for the first one we had for Were the Millers. They had like a consultant come in and sort of like write a script and then like I plugged in all my own jokes and then they obviously like edited the jokes and said like, no, it was a lot of like, no, you can't say that. No, you can't say that. Like, I I don't know how to not um, say that. So they have to tell me I can't say that. Um, But uh, because because I make it like a a roast, the whole thing. It's just like roasting every actor's career and whatever. And they're like, no, we're not. That's not what we're trying to. We're, we're, you know, we would. uh, But uh um oh you know it was one that got cut i said uh i said i wrote um uh ben stiller because they kept talking about how ben stiller they're like they're like they'll give me like some topics like ben stiller jacked you know like write jokes about ben stiller being so jacked so i said he's so jacked from from single-handedly carrying christine taylor's career (laughs) and they said they're like you can't do that because because nobody will if like ben sees it or whatever like um and Ben might just have the ego to watch himself, yeah, sit down and watch his his that's own a, movie on that's TV. That's a really funny joke, uh, but you're right. That's a roast joke. It's a roast joke. Yeah. That's- so they're like, so you can roast, but it's got to be real light. It can't be like anything that would really dig and hurt. So um, a lot of it got cut, and then like the blackface thing was really hard because you can't make blackface jokes. Obviously. It's crazy how like somehow Tropic Thunder went through and didn't get really affected much by the Robert Downey Jr. Uh, thing. Like, be, I, but it is it's it was different. They did they did it they they like hit it at a different angle, right? Because he's like playing a black guy. Playing. They made fun of the idea of blackface with the i like the fact that an actor would get surgery, right, to avoid the hey I'm putting um, black paint on my face. Right. Like that's the joke. Right. Like if you if you get offended then you just don't get the joke. Right. 100%. But I'm still surprised that it was able to get through pretty like like relatively painlessly. Yeah. Painlessly? Does that I don't know. Um I don't think that's actually a word. But go with it. But uh but but yeah, they didn't So I wanted to so so like we were like, "Oh, we got to we got to comment on this. We got to But it was like making fun of the fact that they were getting away with like it was like stuff like that you know um but yeah i mean it was it was super fun and uh and and it was a cool exercise because i just like sort of wrote um um and by the way i know i want to i know we're we're speaking in public now but uh i know uh, um i know you're a big movie guy Mm -hmm. and uh and and hopefully you know if we do more you know i could i could listen to you know you send me some stuff and we could yeah man that'd be great yeah yeah um the people demand me get a job (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um but uh but yeah it was cool i wrote you know like you know 100 jokes or something and they loved you know they 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 liked 
30 and loved 15 and yeah. 15 you know 15 20 were the ones that that aired but um but and, and they edited and you know whatever but uh but yeah i mean it was it's super fun and i love you know like you i'm like super passionate about movies so mm-hmm. uh so it was cool just to like write on what i love that's the thing it's like like you know i realize that, and, and i'm i realized that, like my my thought process and my perspective was a little like one note as far as like, I don't like politics at all, at all. I have no interest in like what's going on with Trump. Nothing. Like I was on stage the other night and when I got off, my buddy Mark Gerber was like, Oh, Trump got impeached. And I was just like, what? Like I, it doesn't, I don't like him. I think he's an idiot, but I'm not invested in any uh, way. That's, that's the same way I am. It's uh for my own mental well being. Uh, I never, I t- I said this the other day, I'm like, and I don't want to, we'll get out of this real quick, but I said, uh, I never thought being ignorant and in the dark was a good look. Like, I would never want, I would want to know what's going on in the world. Yeah. But it's gotten so bad where I'm like, I've removed myself. I've unfriended and unfollowed so many people. Like, I just can't, I, I can't get into, this is just, it's, it's, they're winning. The, sure. They're winning. Yep. We hate each other for no reason. They're winning, and it's like I'm just gonna stand in the back. Right, 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 so, right. But anyways, yes. Yeah, so anyway, so you you're not a politics guy. You're a movies guy. Not at all. I'm not a politics guy at all. And 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 before I was just like, oh, because listen, I I've some of my favorite comics will touch on it, and they'll do it in like such a brilliant way, and I'll appreciate it for that because I'm like, wow, that's a really interesting perspective. And and you know, Ted Alexandro, who's one of my all time favorite comics, oh, he's a, he's the best. He's unbelievable. He he, you know. He's very extremely. He's the opposite. He's extremely invested in, in what's going on, and uh, and even though I'm not, I could. I'm invested in what he has to say, so it it it's interesting to me anyway. You know, it's sort of in that regard. But but yeah. So like, um, yeah. I I mean, like, I love movies, so it's like so easy to write on. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe I can't write on politics because I just. It's like I'm I'm not interested. It's like kind of like you, know, you got to know. You got to know right, what right. you're talking about. Right. You know, I, I mean, I, you know, I do uh, a lot of sports humor. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know anything about sports, how are you going to write jokes? Sure. I mean, you just you can't. Do the Bucks have the number one record in the NBA now? Oh, I don't know. Oh, you're not an NBA guy. Not an NBA guy. You're I'm from, NFL. I'm, I'm from Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're NFL. I can't, get sure. in the, I can't get in the NBA. Sure. But uh, yeah, I, I think they do. I know they're doing, I know they put up, they're putting up crazy points. Well, I think the Lakers and Bucks played last night and maybe it was, I think it was the game for who whoever won had the best had now has the best record in the NBA and I think the Bucks won so I think it's like LeBron I mean Lakers are killing it but uh but anyway yeah so um well are you so you're a fan of, are you a fan of the movies or have you you know you tried to be an actor have you tried to be a screenplay writer I gotta tell you dude so I'm so I'm writing like I'm writing I mean I like so my two things my main things are stand up is number one priority uh. But closely behind and second right now is is like writing because I love I wrote I wrote three pilots this year I wrote a spec um, I'm working on something else and I'm like sort of building but it's interesting Nick because it's like you really what I've realized about this industry and maybe just as like in life in general is like uh what you're known for is where people categorize you. And it's like just because you write jokes, people don't necessarily see you as a writer. Um, 
So I'm trying to get more invested in that world a little bit because stand up, I started here in 2008 and I've, you know, I, I've like worked up the ranks. It's been sort of like a, uh, like a slow climb to sort of, and now like I work most of the clubs in the city. I, mm. I, I mean, I, I work what I consider the best clubs in the city. Yeah. Um, some people, I, I work most of them. There's a couple I don't that people, you know, regard highly. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like New York and the cellar, um, you know, the strip, Caroline's, uh, you know, I, I, I don't work Gotham. I don't work the stand, but, uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, like, um, but, but now you hit a point in stand up, um, where obviously I haven't hit a point close to where I want to get, but, I want to branch out and also write because it's just a completely different exercise and there's things, there's restrictions, no matter what you write up, like in stand up, there are restrictions to what translates. Um, and you know, so many, so many times I've like written a bit and it's just like, I'm working it out. I'm working it out. It's just not hitting the way I want. And it sort of like occurred to me that it's like, Oh, this is a scene. You just wrote a interesting scene in a in a show, uh, as opposed to um, something that's very captivating on stage. So, and then there's other things that just translate better on stage than they do on that's, paper. That's a really interesting point. Uh, Jess Solomon was on the show not too long ago, uh-huh. and uh, she had wrote some uh, sketches for for an IFC show. And I asked her that same question: like, you're you come from stand up? How is it? writing a, a sketch which yeah. is what you said a, a scene and like it's it's so much different it's so, so different. different and then Completely that's different. and that's a and that's a thing that a lot of stand-up comedians especially young ones they get up on stage and they have this idea that they see in their head but they can't paint the picture on stage and you're like that's yeah. not funny it's not right. funny cut the fat right. where where's the joke right and then it's like you know if you put that as a sketch it would be funny it's hilarious but you need the visual of it exactly and some things are just better visually. I'm telling you, man, I have like almost every bit of mine that that has never really made it like regularly into the act were what worth, you know, is often stuff like that where it's like it's like everybody goes, oh, my God, that's so funny because I'm telling them it or like they're reading it and they're like, oh, that's such a funny thing to happen or whatever. You know, I used to do this joke about how my mom um my mom uh like is always on like when i'm flying anywhere she follows me on flight tracker um and i used to do this whole scene and everybody like i told it to that it like everybody who i told like what my mom does is always like this most hilarious thing on stage it's like it was getting chuckles but like i never got that like like what i what i really need as a stand-up and it's just one of those things where it's like it's it's not that it's not that it's not good enough to be used it's just not good enough to be used on stage and so maybe there's another home for it and maybe i just haven't found it yet and and i'm like you know you know you know you hear this all the time where like people are like uh they'll talk about people they'll be like oh he's a great podcaster but he's not a great stand-up or he's great at uh you know great on youtube but not a great stand-up or or vice versa you know whatever like i suck on social media i don't know how to like some people are amazing at cultivating this like huge like social media following or whatever. And I just sort of like want to 
tell jokes. I don't really want to, but you have to put into it. Like if you want to be like this, like, like huge social media guy, you have to work at social media all day, every day, the way, you know, I work at stand up or the way somebody else works at something else. So yeah, it's, but, but anyway, back to the original point. Um, I like there's other, there's, there's other expressions I want to tackle going forward alongside standup standup's always going to be my number one but but I, I want but you know how it is i mean you know there's just there's other areas that you want to uh that you want to explore yeah i, I think that's a, that's a very good point um standup is one of those things that's always nice to have in your back pocket uh no matter where you go with it yeah you know being funny is being funny sure like you said some people just aren't good at standup right you know there's a lot of a lot of brilliant joke writers, but when they get on stage, their delivery is horseshit. Horseshit. It's Can't like, connect. Yeah. Like you're just so unlikable. Yep. Like your joke is really funny, but you're so unlikable. People that don't know how to write their, for their own voice. Hey man, that joke would be hilarious out of somebody else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like that'd be like me going up on stage and talking about how, like, like how, you know, it sucks being such the, you know, the hot guy at the gym and all the girls are looking. It's like people don't, <laughs> yeah. they're not. With no like, irony at all. Like you a hundred percent believe like, it. They yeah. can see me. That's right, right. not happening. Right. But that's the cool thing though. And now you've been involved. I mean, I just found out the other day that you've been involved way longer than I thought you were. I didn't even realize that you were around during my strip days yeah. with, uh, during my strip days, uh, with, you know, with Emilio and Scott, but, but you, you know, you know it like people know. There's no faking because once you get out there, you're totally, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you're totally vulnerable and everybody can see it. And I and think that's what makes stand-up awesome. 100%. Because it cuts the bullshit out. Mm-hmm. Like you can be really good on social media. You can be really good on YouTube and you can be a great writer. But when you get on stage and it's you and the mic in front of the audience. That's it. That's it. You can't, there's nowhere to hide. You know what I was thinking about the so I did a you know I do all these like private Jewish gigs and and corporate gigs and whatever and thank God I'm getting more and more of them because that that's where a lot of the money comes. You know you as you know as somebody who works at a comedy club comedy clubs aren't really where you know stand ups make unless you know they could do one nighters and stuff where they keep the door but generally speaking your club spots are not where you make your money or yeah. or like. God forbid you're a comic where it is where it is where you make your money. I've you know, um I feel like this feel is a really great a great time for me to plug comicaccess.com. If you're looking to book a comic for your private event or party, comicaccess.com. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I actually went on that site uh recently. Um uh You're on there. Just because I like seeing my picture on different <laughs> different places. Um I'm a psycho. But but uh but um but yeah, that's not, but anyway, so I was doing, I do, dude, I do these gigs sometimes. They'll be like, hey, we want to hire you for Shabbat dinner, um, you know, but you can't use a microphone during Shabbat. Imagine your roommate told you this while you were in uh, in college. You would have, you, you couldn't even process the, the not celebrating Christmas on Christmas Day mm-hmm. thing. I couldn't use a microphone on Friday night because it's, you're not supposed to be using electricity on, on the Sabbath, on the Jewish Sabbath. So I get up there. Literally, this is the setup, right? For, for the people who are listening, Nick and I are sitting at a round table right now, um, just the two of us. Uh, the setup there was a long table with like 12 people. And I sat at the end of the table and just started doing crowd work and jokes and whatever, about half hour of it. And I, I killed, I killed it. But the, anyway, the other night you were saying like you're vulnerable. It's you and a mic. Sometimes it's just you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's no mic. Yeah. And uh, you can't even lean on the mic stand. Nothing. Nothing. There's no. You are like so beyond naked. It's crazy. But um, 
but yeah, I did it the other night. I did this like 30th birthday party in uh, in Long Island, and um, it was just like me standing up there, no microphone, just a room of people, and uh, uh, it was great. It was it was amazing. What kind of crowd work do you do at a dinner table? Uh, I mess with everybody. I just sort of like I just keep it relatively clean. I like sort of like walk to the edge, but don't go over it. I never curse. Um, uh, especially with these crowds because they're like religious Jews, so like they don't want to hear fuck shit, cunt, you know, whatever. But I'll, but I'll, uh, lame, yeah, exactly, right. But I'll talk about like you know, like I'll just dissect sort of like what's going on. Um, I can do. I've literally done forty-five minute sets of only crowd work, not a single joke. When I went to the Catskills this summer, mm-hmm. I did forty-five minutes of crowd work, not a single joke. That's the best. It's fun, man. I mean, like it really is fun. Comedy club. It's probably not the 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 best thing to say, but like, if a comic can go up on stage and just talk to the audience for their time, because that's a unique show that can never be duplicated. Never be duplicated. It's all for whoever was in the room that night. But it's interesting because I am a joke writer, Mm -hmm. and I enjoy writing and performing jokes like crazy. Like it's like my favorite thing, and like just I I love jokes, but. I also have sort of, and I've been hosting at the cellar a lot. That's the other thing. So like, um, I've been working the cellar for eight months and they have me pretty much hosting. She gave me like one or two spots in the beginning just to see that I'm like capable. And then, uh, and then she was like, okay, yeah, you, you host cause she needs, they have so many shows, so many shows they need hosts. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I get up there and like basically, so a lot of time at the cellar, like because there's so many shows and they take your cell phones, they put them in the pouch Right? Did you know about this whole thing? Uh, kind of. Yeah. So they take everybody's cell phones, they put them in a pouch, they turn them off, put them in a pouch, and it takes longer for people to get set because it's just like a line of people waiting to put their cell phones in the thing and whatever. So sometimes I'll get on stage and the audience will be like half full, maybe 60% full. People are still getting sat, whatever. So I can't go up there and do jokes. No way. Mm-hmm. So it's like because like the room's distracted and whatever. So I'll do crowd work and then within like three or four minutes, everybody's sort of on board and now it's, now it's really good. But... uh but yeah, it's really t- like it's like I, I've certainly with crowd work, I've gotten a lot better at it as I get older. But now I like really feel like I know how to do it very well and, if, you know, effectively. And um, and headlining helps with that a lot, too, because you're doing like an hour. And I, I always feel like I don't know. I know I'm going off on a crazy tangent. That's sort of just the I way love my it. mind works. So I'm sorry. But um, you know how like when someone. uh you ever hear that thing where they'll be like, he's funny for five minutes? Yes. Like, they, like if it's somebody like maybe, like a certain style, like a real distinctive, like either really, really low energy slow delivery or like someone who's like, I, I, I don't know an example, but but um, they'll be like, oh, I'm really funny for five minutes, but I can't watch an hour of that. Exactly, yes. You, 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 I'm sure people come to mind. I Yeah, I'm not going to say them out loud, sure, but sure. yeah, for sure. So... I think the reason that is is because the audience eventually catches on pretty quickly to like what your style is and what you're doing. And even if every one of your jokes are misdirects that the audience doesn't see coming, they see that it's going to be a misdirect. Mm-hmm. So so they're on to that. So even if the actual twist surprises them, there's no surprise anymore about what you're doing. You're like a magician who's been exposed. Like, this is my one trick and blah, 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 blah. So um, I'm like a setup punchline guy. And now I'm like venturing into longer stories or whatever. But I'm not like 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 one-liners, but I'm a setup punchline guy. And what I've noticed helps me on the road if like I'm doing an hour, 
which now like the last year or two I'm headlining a lot more is um, I'll kind of go a little bit in and out of crowd work sometimes because it keeps it fresh. Yeah. It's not just the da dum da dum boom 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 da dum da dum boom. It's 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 oh you're not gonna see this coming. You're not gonna. So it helps me a lot. And like some like Atel's like that. I feel like Atel is like a master of crowd work. He's an amazing, but he like yeah you just you just don't know exactly what you're gonna get. And I think that's a cool thing about stand up. I think it's like. I think it's like even I think the audience I think stylistically the audience could see it coming. You, do, do you see what I'm saying? No, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you if you like a song, you don't want to listen to it on repeat for an hour. Sure. You know, after a while, you need a little something to break up the monotony. So yeah, so if you're telling jokes, telling jokes, telling jokes, and then all of a sudden you stop and you start ta- engaging, and then the crowd feels they're in the show. Then you go back to some jokes. It, right. it, it just it resets. It yeah. pushes the reset button, which is which is cool. And some people, by the way, some people would disagree with me, and I'm open to hearing those arguments. But uh, I found, for me personally, and I think it's comedy, especially because you're so vulnerable all the time, is really a um, classic example of like whatever works for you do. And so for me personally, I like to like mix it up and, uh, and not just sort of stick to the entire script. Like I'm just, I'm open to seeing where things go. Yeah. You know? I, I enjoy that the most too. But like you said, you know, it's, you know, some people are different. Some people like it is, I mean, you know who it works for, uh, Jezeldick. So oh, for sure. He, he it, he's just, it's pretty much the same thing for an hour and I'm, I'm just a big fan of his. So it's yeah. like, I'm into it. Yeah. It's great. I mean, he's great. And he's, and he's an amazing joke writer and, uh, and and yeah, it works for him. I I yeah, just... unless, so unless you're as good as Jezelnik at writing jokes, which <laughs> spoiler alert, you're not. <laughs> don't do, like yeah, it's okay to add a little bit of flair in the middle of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but but yeah, so that's just I don't know how we got here at all, but but that's, I don't either. But I love it. But uh, well, what else you got going on? We gotta we gotta wrap up. But what else? Where where, uh, where can I'm we going... see you? Where can we find you? I shot um I shot for Eliza Schlesinger's uh, Netflix show. She has a sketch show coming out. Um, I believe they haven't given me a date yet, but it's sometime in late March or early April, two thousand twenty. Um, I shot for it. Um, I. Uh, it's a really, really funny. I was told it's a really funny sketch. It was fun while I was shooting it, but you never really know, right? Yeah. Uh, how it's going to turn out. You're like, I hope this turns out really good. And, um, and uh, I was told by um, Avalon, who's the management production company that's that's producing it, that uh, an executive uh, shot me a note and said that uh, she saw my scene and said it was really funny. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we shot uh, we shot in. Brooklyn. Um, what's the what's the scene about? So when we're watching it, we know what to look for. I'm trying to think if I'm actually allowed to uh, okay, don't say, say what it's about. But uh, but I don't want to I don't want to ruin any surprise because actually, if I say what it's about, I think that's the big reveal what it's about. Okay. So uh, so I'm not going to say. But but uh, but just I, keep your eye out for Eric's face. Keep, keep my face and my body because I uh, I I uh, oh yeah full I frontal? shot I shot pretty pretty nude um, in. Uh, um, but yeah, it's coming out on Netflix and, uh, and I'm now excited we just, about it. Now we just gained those old Jewish ladies. They're back in now. Yeah, there we oh, go. They just, yeah. oh, okay. Well, I'm listening. <laughs> and well, I hope they're purchasing tickets and I hope all of you guys purchase tickets. Uh, we have a killer, 
uh, a killer Christmas Eve show again. I know we spoke about this in the beginning, but it is yeah, on... Yeah, tell them how, you, how they can get tickets. Uh, tickets to NewYorkComedyClub.com. We're at the East Village location, 4th Street and 2nd Avenue. There's two shows uh, on Christmas Eve, the 24th, uh, 7 p.m. and 9.30. Uh, this year we have... So Ray Allen is hosting. He's hosting both. He's the one who I produce with. Um, and then we have Brian Scott McFadden, uh, Dan Natterman, Chloe Hilliard, um, and a couple others. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we're really excited about it. We think it's going to be a, they're going to be really good shows. It's, it always is. It's always a great show. So make sure you check it out. If you're in New York and have nothing to do, if you're a lonely Jew on Christmas, we got two shows at the New York comedy club. What time? Seven and nine 30. Seven and nine 30. And also shout out to, uh, Amy Hawthorne, who I, uh, really wish could have been here. She's literally one of the best in the business and, you know, um, just, sort of an amazing eye for comedy and uh and i already i don't want to kiss her ass too much on this thing but uh i gave her a nice gift um so i think that'll cover me but uh (laughs) but but i i love her and uh and i'm sorry she couldn't be here because she would have been she would have provided a lot of good insights to uh what we were talking about but yeah okay you're done kissing her butt i think i'm done all right well eric thanks for coming in man and uh, i'll be sure to see you soon cool thanks nick appreciate it man Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Thank you for listening to This Is Not A Green Room. We are available wherever you get your podcasts, including Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes, as well as the Laughable app. And wherever you're listening to us, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating so that other people can find us and love us, too. You can find us online at Not A Green Room on Instagram and Twitter, and you can check out the club at New York Comedy on Twitter and NY Comedy Club on Facebook and Instagram.